The Yankees reach first place briefly, and Maris is on a home run tear. It's episode 11 of Baseball 61. There it is. There it is. If it stays fair, there it is, number 60. How about that? A standing ovation for Roger Maris, who got number 60. Fastball hits deep to right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Baseball 61, a podcast about the historic 1961 New York Yankees and the Major League Baseball season of 1961. I'm Dan LaFollow. We resume our podcast here on Episode 11 with Sunday, June 11th. The expansion Los Angeles Angels made their second-ever trip to Yankee Stadium, and it proved to be a productive Sunday afternoon doubleheader for the Bronx Bombers, who lived up to their moniker before 37,378 fans. By the way, that's how they did it 60 years ago. Not every weekend, but on some weekends, a series would be split. One team would be in for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and another team would come in for a Sunday. In this case, it was the Angels, who were playing, if you could believe it, their fifth doubleheader in eight days, and within the midst of playing 27 games on a 20-day road trip. They don't make those anymore. In the first game, Yogi Berra beat the Angels 2-1. to That's right, Yogi Berra slugged two home runs in New York's 2-1 to first game win. The game began as if it were 60 years in the future, as Angels leadoff hitter Eddie Yost took eight minutes in his at-bat, fouling off pitch after pitch from Yankee starter Ralph Terry. Yost finally hit a comebacker to Terry. And Terry, helped by Yogi's bat and some snappy outfield defense by Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris, pitched the distance and withstood a Ken Hunt ninth-inning homer for the 2-1 to victory in two hours and 19 minutes. I guess they didn't have pitch counts back then, right? Terry, who improved to 4-0, managed to outduel Angels starter Ken McBride, who allowed four hits in seven innings, the two homers to Yogi, and two hits by Terry. Ah, yes, back in the day when pitchers batted. Incidentally, Terry's complete game was the Yanks' seventh complete game in 13 contests. Today, most clubs don't have seven complete games in a season. In the second game, it was the M&M Boys putting on a show in front of co-owner Dan Topping, who celebrated his 49th birthday. Yankees co-owner Del Webb and general manager Roy Hamey, along with other Yankees personnel, staged a surprise birthday party for Topping. The mix slugged his 18th homer of the season to tie Maris for the league lead, a three-run blast into the upper deck and right in the first inning to stake New York to a 3-0 advantage. When the dust settled, however, Maris belted two solo homers, his 19th and 20th of the year. Roley Sheldon pitched into the ninth, and Luis Sorroyo closed it out after inheriting a two-man-on, no-man-out jam, and the Yankees had a 5-1 to win and a doubleheader sweep, taking two hours and 21 minutes to take the nightcap. Sheldon, by the way, improved to 3-2 and two with a victory. The Yanks 
winners of 10 of their last 11, remained in third place at 34-20, and 20, two games behind first-place Cleveland and a half game in back of second-place Detroit. Monday, June 12th, preparing to embark on a five-city road trip that would keep them away from Yankee Stadium until June 30th, the Yankees needed just two hours and six minutes to complete a three-game sweep of the Angels with a 3-1 victory in front of 16,363. Bill Stafford pitched the distance, a four-hitter, as the Yankees concluded their homestand 10-1. Down one nothing in the sixth, New York, without a home run, scored three runs to seal the deal. An RBI single by Elston Howard, RBI fielder's choice grounder by Bill Scourin, and a Hector Lopez RBI double accounted for the scoring. And the Yankees got some help from the uncle of future Yankee Jorge Posada, as Leo Posada blasted a two-run pinch-hit homer, lifting Kansas City to a 7-5 win over Cleveland. With the Tigers off, the Yankees, winners of five straight and 14 of 17, moved ahead of Detroit by percentage points into second place, one game behind first-place Cleveland. The Yankees now owned a 35-20 and record. While the Yankees made some news off the field, signing three players, including the son of former Brooklyn Dodgers star Dolph Camilli, Dolph Camilli Jr., a 5-foot-8-inch shortstop second baseman, the Bombers headed to LaGuardia Field right after the game to begin their five-city road trip. And speaking of planes, the Red Sox' Jackie Jensen's fear of flying returned. Jensen, who retired for a few days earlier in the season only to return to the Red Sox, was not on the team plane when it left Boston to head to Detroit. His wife was quoted in a wire story as saying her husband decided to drive to Detroit. Tuesday, June 13th, with pictures of President Kennedy on the front page of newspapers showing the president walking with crutches because of severe lower back pain, the Yankees opened an important three-game series at Municipal Stadium in Cleveland. In front of 21,704 fans, the Indians routed Yankees starter Jim Coates, scoring six runs in the game's first two innings on their way to a 7-2 win over New York in two hours and 23 minutes. The attendance itself was a story, as the Indians were expecting a larger crowd, what with the club's first place standing. But the attendance has not materialized for the Indians, although on this night, some people felt the forecast of showers may have held the crowd down. Big crowd or not, Indian starter Jim Perry turned in eight and a third solid innings, allowing two runs on ten hits to improve to five and four. Tito Francona, the father of Terry Francona, knocked in two runs, and John Romano added two RBI to pace the Cleveland attack. With Detroit defeating Boston, the Yanks were back in third place, two games out. Wednesday, June 14th. Perhaps it was a good thing the Yanks were out of town. Facing near-record heat and humidity, the temperature was near 100 degrees, New York City faced a massive power failure for four and a half hours. The outage spilled over into nighttime, plunging the city into darkness. The power outage, which halted subways, closed theaters, etc., was placed on a failed Con Ed circuit breaker. Ah, yes, when in doubt, always blame the circuit breaker. In Cleveland, meanwhile, the Yankees were busy one day before the trading deadline, and once again, 
They relied on their old trading buddies, the Kansas City Athletics, even though the club was now owned by Charles O. Finley, who despised the Yankees. The Yanks sent the A's pitcher Art Dittmar, who pitched five innings of no-hit relief in New York's previous game, and 23-year-old rookie infielder Darren Johnson in exchange for 28-year-old southpaw pitcher Bud Daly. The Yanks also dealt pitcher Danny McDivitt, another lefty, to the Minnesota Twins for 34-year-old infielder Billy Gardner. Meanwhile, 25,095 turned out and watched the Yankees turn the tables behind Whitey Ford. And unlike New York City, the weather for June 14th in Cleveland was cold. The Yankees' southpaw was not his usual sharp self, allowing five runs on eight hits over seven innings. But Luis Sorroyo came out of the pen to fling two scoreless frames, preserving Ford's 10th win of the season against two defeats as the Bombers downed the Indians 11-5 in two hours and 45 minutes. Offensively, the Yankees pounded out 16 hits. Roger Maris led the way with his 22nd home run of the season, a two-run shot. And Bobby Richardson slugged his first homer of the year, a three-run round tripper. Pitchers Gary Bell and Johnny Antonelli were on the receiving end of the Yankees' assault. By the way, Jimmy Pearsall, who was leading the American League in hitting with a 372 batting average, went one for four in the game. And with the win, combined with Detroit's victory over the Red Sox, Cleveland and the Tigers were tied for first with 38-21 and 21 records, while the Yankees at 36-21 and 21 were just one game back. In the National League, the Dodgers led Cincinnati and San Francisco by a half game, while the defending world champion Pirates were three and a half games off the pace. Thursday, June 15th, as the Yankees and Indians prepared for the rubber game of their three-game series, a former Yankee living in suburban Cleveland was also making news. Red Ruffing, who won 20 or more games in a season, four straight seasons, and was on seven world champions and eight pennant winners, signed on with the expansion New York Mets as a scout and roving minor league pitching instructor. He would continue to work out of his Cleveland area home. Ruffing pitched 22 years in the big leagues, beginning with the Red Sox in 1924. On another chilly night in front of 23,350 fans, Ralph Terry of the Yankees outpitched Jim Grant of the Indians as the Yanks moved into first place with an 11-inning 3-2 victory. Terry pitched the entire 11 innings in the 2-hour and 51-minute game, while Mudcat Grant hurled the first eight innings for the Indians. The Yankees actually took a 2-1 lead in the seventh inning of this game on Mickey Mantle's 19th home run of the season and an RBI single by Elston Howard. But John Romano's RBI single in the ninth tied it before Johnny Blanchard's pinch-hit single snapped the 2-2 deadlock in the 11th, scoring Bob Serve, who set up the run with, of all things, a stolen base. A stolen base on the 1961 New York Yankees. As Mel Allen would say, how about that? At 37-21, and 21, the Yankees were now in first place with a 638 winning percentage, while the Indians and Tigers who lost to the Red Sox, stood at 38-22 and 22 with a 6.33 winning percentage. Meanwhile, with a trade deadline due to expire at midnight, Yankees outfielder Hector Lopez was spotted hiding in the corner of the Yankee dugout before the game. 
hiding out until midnight, Lopez told the reporters. There were some more deals as the Pirates sent outfielder Gino Samoli to the Milwaukee Braves for shortstop Johnny Logan and called up catcher Don Leppert from their Columbus, Ohio farm club. The Bucks also acquired outfielder Walt Moose Morin from the Cardinals for a minor league player to be named. Friday, June 16th. It was on to Detroit for the Yankees and a big series against the Tigers. 51,774 jammed Tiger Stadium and watched young Phil Regan hurl a complete game six-hitter. Helped by shoddy Yankee defense, Detroit emerged with a 4-2 victory in a tidy two hours and 12 minutes. The Yanks committed five errors in the game. The New York offense consisted of a Bill Scourin two-run homer. Detroit scored two runs in the first, helped by three Yankee errors. And for the first time this season, Yankees manager Ralph Houck was tossed from the game for arguing. It would not be the last time. The major put on quite a show, kicking dirt, his cap flying. Houck was peeved over an out call on Scourin on a force play at second base in the seventh inning. The call made by umpire Joe Linsalata. Earlier, Houck, who had to endure the loss of Elston Howard in the fourth inning because of a thumb injury, probably was not in a good mood. Ellie was replaced by Johnny Blanchard. With the defeat, the 37-22 Yankees slid to third place, one game behind the Tigers and victorious Indians, who were tied for the American League's top spot at 39-22. By the way, before the game, the Tigers announced that they handed out a $100,000 signing bonus to a 19-year-old catcher out of the University of Michigan, catcher by the name of Bill Freehan. It would ultimately turn out to be $100,000 well spent. And speaking of bonuses, 18-year-old Lou Kraus, remember we talked about him in a previous podcast? 18-year-old Lou Kraus, just two weeks out of high school, who had signed a $125,000 bonus by Kansas City A's owner Charles Finley, made his big league debut in front of 25,869 fans in Kansas City, and if you can believe it, pitched a complete game, three-hit, four-nothing shutout over the Los Angeles Angels, and he did it in only two hours and 15 minutes. And speaking of bonuses... The Pittsburgh Pirates doled out what was believed to be the largest signing bonus in Major League history, $150,000 to 18-year-old shortstop Bob Bailey from California. After signing the deal, Bailey left with his girlfriend to attend his high school graduation. All 18 clubs scouted Bailey, with the L.A. Dodgers dropping out of the bidding at $75,000. Bailey would go on to a productive career, making his debut with the Pirates in the following season. Also, the Chicago Cubs signed 20-year-old pitcher Billy Connors out of Syracuse University. Yes, this would be the same Billy Connors who would someday become Yankees owner George Steinbrenner's right-hand man. Some would say spy in Steinbrenner's later years. The San Francisco Giants were doling out money, a $90,000 bonus to Hal Lanier, the son of former big leaguer Max Lanier. Hal Lanier would go on to play for the Yankees and someday manage the Houston Astros. And finally, the Baltimore Orioles handed out what was described as a sizable bonus to a 17-year-old catcher from California named Andy Echeverin. Echeverin would go on to a productive career with Baltimore. He was a catcher renowned for his defense. 
Saturday, June 17, 1961. The Yankees posted 10 runs and chased Tiger starter Don Mossy in front of 51,509 at Tiger Stadium. But it was not enough. That's right, Yankees scored 10 runs. It was a battle of left-handers. Don Mossy for the Tigers and Bud Daly making his Yankees debut. But Detroit chased Daly, pounding out 14 hits, led by Al Kaline's four hits, including a home run, and outlasted the Bombers 12-10. to Once again, a porous Yankees defense did them in, as Detroit scored four in the first, helped by a Cleet Boyer error. Boyer had made two errors in the first inning on Friday night. Daly was gone by the second inning, as the Yankees were down 8 nothing going to the fourth. Roger Maris highlighted a five-run fourth inning with his 23rd homer of the season chasing Mossy. And then in the ninth, the Yanks erupted for five runs with two outs, aided by Mickey Mantle's 20th home run of the season. It came down to Detroit starter Terry Fox, who came out of the bullpen and registered the game ending out and preserved the Tigers' victory in the two-hour and 58-minute game. Suddenly, the Yankees at 37-23 and 23 were in third place, two games behind Detroit, and one in back of second-place Cleveland. Before the game, the Yankees had signed 37-year-old Earl Torgerson, a member of the 1948 National League champion Boston Braves, who batted 389 in that World Series, won by the Cleveland Indians, who haven't won a World Series since. Torgerson was released by the White Sox earlier in the week and called Yankees GM Roy Hamey, saying he still thought he had something left in the tank. He said if he couldn't latch on with the Yankees, he was going to retire and devote his energies full-time to his insurance business. See, back then, these players, they needed to work in the offseason. They needed to have uh, jobs on the side. And in this case, Torgerson was setting himself up for the future with an insurance business. No long-term multi-million dollar contracts in 1961. Sunday, June 18th, 44,459 turned out at Tiger Stadium hoping to watch their Tigers sweep the Yankees in what was, on paper anyway, a great pitching matchup. Whitey Ford on the hill for the Yankees against Yankees nemesis Frank Larry, both pitchers in quest of their 11th victory of the season. This time, however, no contest. In two hours and 27 minutes, the Yankees routed the Tigers 9 to nothing, belting four home runs in the process. Johnny Blanchard had two homers, Bill Scourin one, and Roger Maris belted his major league leading 24th home run of the season. Ford, who improved to 11-2, and two, departed in the eighth inning because of a blister. He also cut his left knee when he tripped on a drain cover, hopping out of the Yankees' dugout in the seventh inning. Trusty Luis Sorroyo finished the contest, and as for Larry, he fell to 10-4 and four on the season. He was gone by the third inning. It was only the ninth time he had lost to the Yankees against 25 wins over New York. Yankee shortstop, by the way, Tony Kubek, was sidelined with pain in his right side after a collision in the outfield with Bob Serve in the Saturday game. The win placed the Yankees one game behind the first-place Tigers, and half a game behind second-place Cleveland, which had split a doubleheader with the Orioles. And the Red Sox were making a move. Two games above 500 at 32-20, the Red Sox were seven and a half games out of first place. In the National League, 
Cincinnati at 38 and 23 was now in first place by a game and a half over San Francisco, two over the Dodgers, and six ahead of the defending world champion Pittsburgh Pirates. The three-game series in Detroit, by the way, drew a record attendance for a three-game series in that city, attracting 147,712 fans. Monday, June 19, 1961. The sports world awakened to news that Fred Portnoy, a basketball player at Columbia University, allegedly took $1,000 to keep his team's score down in a game against Rutgers in December of 1960. Portnoy was only paid $140 and was not arrested, given immunity in return for testifying before a grand jury about the growing scandal. On the baseball diamond, the Yankees were in Kansas City to start a four-game series against the Athletics. The series started out on a wild note, as days after Athletics general manager Frank Lane gave manager Joe Gordon a vote of confidence, the kiss of death, the ex-Yankee player was fired, replaced by another former Yankee, 38-year-old Hank Bauer, who would be a player manager with Kansas City. It was the third time, by the way, Lane had dispatched Gordon. Think of this. He fired Gordon when he was the general manager of Cleveland, and Gordon was the Indians' manager, fired Gordon, and then a day later rehired him because of the public outcry. However, one season later in 1960, Lane traded Gordon to the Tigers for Jimmy Dykes, a trade of managers. Lane himself was on the hot seat with KC owner Charles Finley, who wasn't, But Charlie O gave him a vote of confidence, saying Lane could be his general manager as long as he wanted the job. As for Bauer, Finley stated, I have always had the deepest respect for Bauer. I followed his career with the Yankees as well as when he came to Kansas City. And with his aggressive, forceful style, I'm certain he'll make us a fine manager. At the time of his hiring, Bauer held the World Series record for hitting in 17 straight games, all with the Yankees, and the 56, 57, and 58 fall classics. Kansas City was 26-32 and 32 at the time of Gordon's dismissal. And as for the first game of the series, the Athletics made Bowers' debut a successful one as they beat the Yankees 4-3 in front of 16,715. Now listen to how the Yankees lost this game. If they had talk radio back then the way they have it now, and with all these websites and social media, Can you imagine the outcry? Kansas City, in dramatic fashion, rallied for two runs in the bottom of the ninth, off starter Roley Sheldon and reliever Luis Sorroyo. Remember, Roger Maris slugged his 25th home run of the season for the Yanks. Moose Scour in his 14th, and the Yankees took a 3-2 lead to the bottom of the ninth. But former Yankee Norm Seaburn tied the game in the ninth with an inside-the-park home run off of Sheldon, then Luis Sorroyo was summoned in, and he served up a walk-off homer to Wes Covington. Don't know if they called them walk-off homers back then, but a homer is a homer, and Kansas City was a 4-3 winner on back-to-back home runs in the bottom of the ninth. With the loss, the Yanks dropped to 38-24 and in third place, a game and a half behind Detroit. Tuesday, June 20th, hoping for a repeat from the night before, 19,928 fans turned out in Kansas City. 
But all they saw was Roger Maris lug his fourth home run in four games and 26th of the season as the Yanks topped the Athletics 6-2 in two hours and 37 minutes. Bill Stafford pitched seven innings to notch the victory, improving to 5-3 and three, as the Yankees moved percentage points into second place ahead of Cleveland, a game and a half behind Detroit. The Bombers were now 39-24 and 24 on the season. Wednesday, June 21st. It was Mickey Mantle's night to shine as number seven slugged two homers and knocked in all five Yankee runs in New York's 5-3 to three win in two hours and 34 minutes. Roger Maris may not have homered, but he was aboard on both Mickey's homers thanks to a single and a triple. Mantle's second homer, his 22nd, was estimated to travel 475 feet as it cleared two fences, the regular fence and an outer wall. This time, Bud Daly did better as he pitched against his ex-team, hurling eight and two-thirds innings in front of 19,416 fans. Luis Arroyo then came on to close it out after Daly served up a two-run homer to Haywood Sullivan. Arroyo struck out Wes Covington two nights after Covington clipped him with that walk-off homer. With the first-place Tigers getting rained out in Washington, the 40-24 and 24 Yankees were now just one game behind Detroit. Thursday, June 22nd, in front of 17,254, it was Roger Maris in the spotlight again as number nine belted his 27th home run of the season and his 15th for the month of June, three shy of the record for most home runs in a month. He also added two doubles and a single as the Yankees routed the Athletics 8-3, to taking three of four from Kansas City. Among those in attendance, by the way, was American League President Joe Cronin. Whitey Ford was the beneficiary of the offense, picking up his 12th win against two losses. But he did need help from Luis Arroyo after he was touched for three runs without retiring a batter in the eighth. Arroyo pitched two scoreless innings to wrap up the two-hour and 45-minute game. With Detroit winning, the Yankees, now 41-24, and remained one game out of first place, as they headed to Minnesota, the fourth stop on their five-city road trip. Yankees, by the way, announced that Jackie Robinson and Pee Wee Reese would be reunited, accepting invitations to Old Timers Day at Yankee Stadium on July 29th. Well, that is going to do it for our latest Baseball 61 podcast episode. Be sure to follow our podcast in the Apple Podcast directory, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also visit Baseball61.com. And as always, thanks for listening. I'm Dan Lavallo.